Well, praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on this beautiful Friday morning here in the piney woods of Northeast Texas in Queen City. I'm in the studio this morning here at Crossway Church bringing to you the great Bible study of 1 Peter. We're in chapter 2. Grab your Bibles. Get ready. Here in just a moment, we're going to dig in and see the beauty, more of the beauty of our Jesus Christ, our great Lord and Savior. And I just want to uh, ask the Lord's blessing upon you and me today. And I know he's going to pour his truth into our hearts today, for that is the new covenant experience, for him to be able to put his words into our hearts, write them on the tablets of our minds, and guide us into all truth. That's what we're looking for. Hallelujah. And uh, just praising the Lord for the opportunity to be here today. We've had great uh, services recently. If you missed Wednesday night's uh, message on humility, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message as you will uh, find some some very wonderful truths in, in what was taught Wednesday night. And also the Hebrew Bible studies that we're doing every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 uh, a.m. Central Time. And uh, presently we're going through that wondrous 12th chapter of Hebrews. So follow along with us, find us. You can watch it if you can't ever watch it live. You can watch it on the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel later. And you can also find them all uploaded to the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. And of course, every morning uh, between 7 and 7.30 on my two Facebook pages, we are writing literal commentary verse by verse on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page, we're in Romans and chapter uh, five, I believe it is. And uh, on the Curtis Hutchinson Facebook page, we're in Psalms 38, 39 in there. Uh, so you wanna join us every, every morning or go to the pages, follow the Pastor Curtis page, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Again, it's Curtis Hutchinson 316 and you can find the Word of God in the context of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, which is what every jot and tittle points you to and will allow you to experience your Savior through faith in His sacrifice. We just praise God. Before we get into the teaching today here in 1 Peter chapter 2, hope you got your Bibles, your pencil, and your paper. You're going to need it today. We've got a couple of commentaries. 1 Peter and Second Peter. I wrote these uh, uh, just in the near recent past, and they're on the website. First Peter, Second Peter, they're on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Click on the store icon, go there, avail yourself. They're very cheap. They'll just help us print more. And, uh, and, and even more in the days ahead. I have much that I have written that's not even formatted yet, not even sent to the printers. So uh, when we uh, sell these, the money goes to getting Bibles into the hands of the inmates in prison. It goes to printing more of these. But you'll find there are several co little small commentaries on the website. And again, just click on the store icon. And uh, we're teaching First Peter right now. Well, there's a commentary on it. And I'm, I'm not teaching out of it 
I'm just teaching as the Spirit of God gives me along the way as we study the Word of God verse by verse, step by step, and uh, we're just thankful for what He's able uh, to do in, in and through this ministry. So we praise the Lord for the opportunities He's given us. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 4 today. And I want us to notice today, I hope that you would uh, recognize that in verse 4 and 6 and 7, the word precious is used. I told you last Friday we were going to talk about this this week, and to some degree we're going to talk about this because all three occasions that the word precious is used here, it's used as in the context of Jesus Christ. He is what is precious to God. He is what is precious to God. And that word precious mean, just means of high value, prized of great value. And in all reality, he is the greatest possession of God among men. Jesus Christ has been highly exalted and given a name above every name. So he, Jesus Christ, is precious. We'll see that today in our Bible study. And you know what? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he needs to be coming more precious to us. He's precious to the Lord. He needs to be coming more precious to us, more valued, valued above everything in this world, everything in this life, prized more than anything. I'm not talking about just saying he is. I'm talking about him becoming precious, more precious to us than he's ever been before. And they see, that that is a possibility. That's a part of what our growth really is, is recognizing just how precious Christ is not only to God, but to me. And I can recognize more and more and more just how precious he really is. And at the end of each day, I should be able to look back and see really how precious he's been to me. And really really all that he's been able to do. to See, I, I, you know, the value that I place on Christ from my heart, not my lips, the value that I place on Christ from my heart is going to determine what I experience every day in my heart. Remember, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it come the issues of life. Not everybody else, out of my own heart come the issues of life. So let's look at this first uh, or this fourth verse here in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's see this beautiful picture today of our Lord and Savior who is precious to God. We'll see it right here very immediately in verse 4. To whom coming? We've come to Christ. That's who we've come to as unto a living stone, <laughs> disallowed, that means rejected, indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, precious, 
Great value. Valued above all things to God. Get that now. The greatest value, the most prized possession of all of heaven is the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that. This God who became a man, this living stone, this rock of ages. Do you know that the phrase the rock of ages is not even in your Bibles? It's not there in those words. L let me share that with you. And you'll, you'll want to write this down. You'll want to check this out for yourself. And, and what I'm about to show you, I pray the Lord can show it to your heart, is, is you, you'll have to do more than just read the Bible. You'll have to become what God told his people to become. That's students of the Bible. Students uh, searchers for that which God has hidden for us as, as though we were searching for gold and silver. Hidden treasure, we're finding the most precious treasure of all if we'll study. You can get some good stuff by reading, but you're not going to get near what you could get reading as if you will study. You give yourself to study. Studying is where you're really searching. Reading, you're reading, and you read, and you see, but studying, you're searching. See, that's what the writer of Proverbs, the Holy Spirit, through the, 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 the writer of Proverbs says, when you seek for her, get this now, when you seek for her, talking about knowledge, understanding, wisdom, when you seek for her, as if you were seeking for treasure, then you'll find the fear of the Lord. Then you'll know the fear of the Lord. Then you'll know. Oh, not, not, not reading when you're studying. And this is one of those situations I'm about to show you in Isaiah 26 and 4. That is where that phrase comes from. If you want to turn in your Bibles and look at that, pull out your smartphone, get your Bible up on it, however you got your Bible there, Isaiah 26, 4, and let's look at this. where this phrase, <coughs> Rock of Ages, that we've heard, we've sang the song, Rock of Ages, a cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. This Rock of Ages, the, those words are not in the Bible in, 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 in that pronunciation, rock of ages, but I'll show you where it comes from, where it's actually written, but you have to be a student of God's word to find it. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 4 says this, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now, first of all, you've got to understand that the word everlasting means no beginning and no ending. Forever lasting. God has lasted forever because he can't be snuffed out. He can't die. He can't go away. God is God. God has no beginning. He has no ending. He is everlasting from the past. He is everlasting in the future. That's what the word everlasting means. God had no beginning. He had no ending. He's always been. But the word strength here, 
The word strength here literally means, and I do hope that you would look it up for your own self to see this great treasure with your own eyes and to receive it in your own heart. Hallelujah. This word strength, and this is why you have to study, because if we just read this, we'll say, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And he, the everlasting strength. There's never been a time when God could not and would not strengthen his people. He is available at all time to strengthen you, to be your strength. Hallelujah. And that is what it says here, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That means he is my strength. That means he's always been my strength. He will forever be my strength. There's never been a time that the Lord God has not been everlasting strength. Hallelujah. So again, everlasting, he's always been, he'll always be, but the word strength means a cliff or sharp rock as compressed. Generally, a rock or boulder. Figuratively, a refuge. This is why God is our rock, unmovable rock of refuge. Uh, uh, he's He's this rock that we can stand on, that that we build our house on, as Jesus taught. This rock of ages, rock of unmovable rock of ages. But what has made him to, among men, our everlasting strength, our rock of ages, is that which he did at the cross. Because before the foundation of the world, and I hope somebody would understand this today a little bit better, that uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 13, I believe it's verse 8, tells us that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. That doesn't mean at some point before the foundation of the world. That means from everlasting the lamb was slain. The lamb was always slain. Because whatever God does, it's always been done in his mind, in his strategic planning. God doesn't have a new thought. Everything God is thinking now is everything he will ever think. You know, you say, well, wait a minute now, hold on. God can't have a new thought? That's absolutely right. If God has a new thought, that means there was something before that thought came that he wasn't aware of, that he didn't know, that this is new to him. Uh, Listen, if there's no new thing under the sun, there's surely no new thought, no new thing with God. This This is one of the things, at least, that makes God's thoughts and his ways as high as the heavens are above the earth and ours. We sit around and think about things that'll never come to pass. If God has a thought, it's a done deal already. And to him, it's done. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world forever before the foundation of the world. Not at some 10 million year mark before, not at 
10 days. Well, if I'm going to create an earth, what am I going to do about when they fell? Uh, God always knew he would create an earth and put the, the planets where they are. God always knew that he would create people and give them free moral choice. God always knew that we would fail and reject him and try to do it our own way. God always knew that he would have to come and give himself in the person of his son to save us through his mercy. Hallelujah. God always knew this. It was a done deal, not at some point in, in time past, but forever. He is the everlasting strength that men need. He is the everlasting rock of refuge, rock of salvation, and has always been. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I hope you're getting that today. God didn't just all of a sudden think of something new and become something to save you. The lamb was slain forever before the foundation of the world. Not that because he what makes him our everlasting strength, our rock of ages, is that he the only place we can receive strength from him is through what he did on the cross in the person of his son. Hallelujah. And and that was that was that's from everlasting. It's from everlasting. Hallelujah. It's good stuff, isn't it? Glory be to God. So so look at this now. We've come to a living stone, this living rock of ages, this unmovable rock of of strength and refuge for us. It cannot be moved. It's this rock of ages, this Lord Jesus Christ, which is the king of the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. That's why it cannot be shaken because it is built on, established on the rock of ages. Hallelujah. Now get that. We've got, we've got to say all this before we move on because the Lord wants us to see how precious Jesus is. We, we know he's precious. A few months ago, the Lord spoke to my heart. I really believe he did. And, and, he, and he began to encourage me by informing me that he's going to begin to show those who he's able to bring back to the cross, back to their first love. He's going to begin to give us the view that he has of Calvary. We have our own view of the cross, but God has his. Hallelujah. God has his view. And what makes Christ precious to him, mm, he wants us to see what he sees so that Christ can be becoming more precious to us just as he is precious to God. So look at this. To whom coming, we've come to Christ, we've come to the living rock, the rock of ages. He is our living stone, unmovable stone. Although he was disallowed, the word means rejected, indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Jesus, the perfect man, full of love and mercy 
and good fruits without partiality and hypocrisy, gentle and, and good and merciful and easily entreated, uh, loved men, was perfect and without sin and only came to benefit and save men and heal men and deliver men. And men still said, I don't want him. He's distracting from, he's distracting from who, who we are and he's getting all the attention. My Lord, he's worthy of all the attention. I said he's worthy of all the attention. Glory be to God. I, I get tired of hearing the excuses uh, given about Israel and the Pharisees rejecting Christ. It was a hard time, them being under law all, the, all those years, and then all of a sudden Christ, and I understand that was quite something to go through, but there were those who recognized Jesus, even as a babe brought into the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day of his life. There were a man and a woman there who recognized the Savior of according to the scriptures. So I, I get tired of hearing how hard it must have been for the transition. No, the way of the sinner is hard. If you're looking for a savior and you've got a Bible, you'll find him, hallelujah. But if you don't, if you're not looking for a savior from sin, you're only looking for a savior from, 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 from worldly things, then you're gonna have a hard time finding Jesus. Come on now, somebody. Come on now. I get tired of hearing how hard it was in the transition, and I get all that. But listen, that is no legitimate excuse with God. Jesus told the Pharisees, you're going to die and go to hell, and you're going to die in your sins because you rejected me. Jesus told them there is no excuse. Forget all the excuses. We want to milk it down and dilute it. with. Well, it was hard in the transition. Let me tell you something. If you're looking for a savior, God's gonna come save you because he's gonna show you his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he had to do on the cross to save you, hallelujah. This, this the work of Christ on Calvary's cross is what made him precious to God, hallelujah. That is what made him precious to God because that's what made him the living stone, the rock everlasting strength, the rock of ages, the unmovable, the unmovable God who had set it in stone. <laughs> we use the word, that's that set in stone. That's what God did. He set his salvation for men in stone. In the rock of ages, his name is Jesus. So in verse five, and well, before we move on to verse 5, when we see the phrase, but chosen of God, God chose his son. You know, we've heard preachers say, well, the Godhead sat around the round table and tried to figure out how they were going to do this and do that and, and all this, and, 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 and Jesus volunteered. No, he was commanded, he said, to come and to lay his life down and to raise it up again. That's what Jesus said. No man can take my life from me. I want you to get the power of that statement. Jesus Christ could not die other than on the cross. Jesus Christ could not die 
other than on the cross. No man, he can't lie. No man can take my life. No man has the power to take my life. But I have received, I have the power to lay it down and to take it up again because I have this commandment. That's what Jesus taught, hallelujah. He was chosen and commanded to come and carry out the redemption plan of Almighty God that had been planned forever, eternally, 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 rock of ages, everlasting strength, everlasting, no beginning, it's always been always been in the mind of God. A man told me years ago, one day at work, uh, I, I, I said, I'm ready to go home. And he said, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm ready to get back home. And he said, I'm not talking about where I live here. He said, I'm, I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm ready to get back where I came from. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm ready to get back to heaven where God is, where I was before I was on the earth. I said, oh, I said, where'd you hear that? He said, right here, right here in my head. I said, that's exactly right. That's where it came from, in your head. But it didn't come from God. I told him, that ain't in the Bible, my friend. That's not in the Bible. You were on the mind of God forever. But he had to create us out of dirt for us to literally be manifest and exist. Just like the everlasting strength of God, the rock of ages, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, forever before the foundation of the world. Not in some moment, still had to be manifest in these last days for you, 1 Peter 1.20. It was, Peter wrote it, it was ordained from before the foundation of the world, but was manifest. <clears throat> There's all kind of nutty thoughts about, well, we were with God before we were here. No, my friend, you weren't anywhere, anywhere but in the mind of the eternal God. That's the only place you were. You did not exist except in the mind of God. You need to remember that. There's all kind of weird stuff out there, but everything weird is not in the Bible, all that weirded out stuff. So just stick with the Word of God. And, and, and when you can't understand something, just pray about it. Look to Calvary, look to the cross, and the Holy Spirit will show you what the Bible means and how it is to be applied every time. Hallelujah. So... It, it's like Jesus was chosen by God. You know, uh, the reason we became obedient, that's what Paul said, when we believed that form of doctrine, we became obedient. When we obeyed that form of doctrine, it's because when we trusted in what Christ as this living stone came to carry out for us on the cross, the sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood, his own suffering there, when we believed upon that, we received his obedience. He was the one sent to be obedient. He humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death on the cross. It's his obedience that we receive. He was chosen to go and to be obedient. Everything that we have that's of God is of Christ. 
We have Jesus even told us in John 15, 5, you can do nothing, no thing without me. I wish I, the Lord would have gave me that verse Wednesday night in the message because I can't even be humble without him. I can do no thing without him because Romans eleven thirty six all things, that means all, all things are of him through him, meaning his cross, and to him unto the glory of the Lord. I want you to get that today. He was chosen so that God could choose us through him. Ephesians 1 and 4. Let's just turn over there and look at that this morning. I think it's Ephesians uh, uh, 1 and 4, not 4. Yeah, it's Ephesians 1 and 4. Listen. According as he has chosen us in him, where were we chosen? When we believed in him. We were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. What's that mean? At some point, no. Before the foundation of the world means exactly that forever in the past. Forever in the past, God knew his strategic plan in his mind. Everything, remember what we said earlier, every thought God has is a carried out plan and it's done. He's not going to have to change his mind. Oh, that didn't quite go like I planned. Oh, I got to change that a little bit. No, God's thoughts are God's ways and they're already done because he's a perfect, all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present God. Hallelujah. Woo, we can trust him because he cannot fail. And so here in Ephesians 1 and 4, the Bible says, according as he has chosen us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So he chose Christ to be precious to him, which means this higher than everything else, prized, valued, of the greatest worth, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to get back to making Christ the most precious thing. Christ Jesus to being the treasure that we're after the experience of more than anything else. If Jesus Christ is my life and I live by his faith, then I need to be seeking Christ at all times, moment by moment, not just church on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, not just in my devotion in the morning, not just in my evening devotion. Moment by moment, I need to be found striving for the faith of the gospel. Many times in the New Testament, we're told to do this and to do that, and this ought to be the way we're carrying out our lives. The question is, how often? And the answer to that is, 
Listen to how often should I give my time to how often, how many moments of the day should I be consecrated? I'm not talking about lighting a candle and getting off in the corner. I'm talking about on your job, at home with your family, driving down the road. It don't matter if you're on vacation. It doesn't matter at all times, moment by moment. How many moments of your day should you really just give to the Lord? A total Total focus, consecration, mind stayed on him, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The answer to that question, how often, how many moments do I really need to devote to my Lord, is answered with another question. How worthy, how precious is God's lamb to you, to me? How precious is my Jesus? Because it doesn't matter how precious I say he is. All that matters is how devoted to him I am becoming because I recognize as God recognizes the preciousness, if that's a word, of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How precious is he? How valued is he to you? How esteemed, see the churches stepped into this boat where we say you just need a, a higher self-esteem. But God said, no, you need to get rid of self. And I did it for you on Calvary's cross, but you got to keep your faith there so you can have not a high self-esteem, but a high Christ esteem, valuing our Savior more than anything else. Hallelujah. My goodness. Somebody ought to say amen. Somebody ought to shout glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> What's this now? He's chosen of God. And precious. He's precious. Precious Jesus. Why don't you just say that right now? Wherever you are right now, precious Jesus. Oh, precious Jesus. Greatest treasure of all heaven and all earth. Precious Jesus. Greatest esteemed in all heaven. Oh, God chose the, 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 the focus of heaven to be the one who has the appearance of one who was slain as a lamb. Oh, how precious is this crucified, buried, and resurrected Lamb of God. Oh, how precious is he to you? Is he precious enough to you to do what he commands you? Is he precious enough to you to be found among his people when they gather for worship? Is he precious enough to you to value his words without putting our twist on his words? And because that right there proves when we're twisting his words and not obeying his words, we're proving that we're lacking in our view of how precious he is. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Verse 5, you also as living stones, lively stones, are built up. Jesus said he'd build his church. Who's his church? The stones that are lively because they were chosen in him. The one God chose as his precious 
instrument of redemption. They've been found in him, the living stone that we came to through faith in the sacrifice. For there's where our living stone endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Hallelujah. The joy that was set before him. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And the joy of our Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. Our everlasting everlasting strength. Praise be to God. I hope you're getting encouraged this morning. Got to have a little water break here, coffee break actually. Something to wet this whistle down for a minute. Verse 5, you also, God brings you into the picture, my friend, here, because you're his. And he, the, 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 I believe a part of the great purpose of what he gave Peter right here is to bring our focus to the Jesus being precious to God and, and making him to us more precious moment by moment than he's ever been. A growing state in our minds and experience of our Jesus being more precious to us, more esteemed, higher than everything, more reached for than anything. For us to live is Christ and may we be found living before our God. You also, as lively stones, living stones we are as the children of God. And we're being built up as a spiritual house, not some building in town. Thank God for our local churches that we gather in and worship our God in spirit and truth and hear the word of reconciliation, the word of redemption, the words of God's truth that show us his righteousness. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. But what he's building is not wooden and brick and steel buildings. He's building a spiritual house. Hallelujah. That which the blood of Jesus paid for. That which through him being our living rock of ages, becoming our everlasting strength, our personal rock of ages on Calvary's cross, we, believing upon him, have also become living stones. And we are being built by the Lord Jesus Christ himself through his spirit up. Notice we're being built up. We're not being built down. We're being built up. A spiritual house. This spiritual house has a mission. First, it, it has a look. We, we, have, we, we are a holy priesthood. See, God's not got, gotten rid of his priesthood, but the priesthood has changed, Hebrews tells us. And not only did the priesthood change, but because the priesthood changed, the Bible says there in Hebrews that there was a necessity that the law had to change. And the law did change. We're no longer under the law of Moses. We're under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the place we were chosen. And... We're, we are a new priesthood. We're not of the old priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood. We're under the new. And 
everlasting priesthood. From now on it will be. It will never end. And really, it's always been. In the Old Covenant, it was type and shadowed by the Aaronic priesthood that we're not under anymore because we're not under that covenant of law anymore. We're under the New Covenant, who is Christ Jesus and the shedding of his blood. The new covenant is Christ and his cross. He said the new covenant is in his blood. It's through his suffering and the shedding of his blood on the cross. That's the only avenue of experiencing the new covenant. And it's not just an experience because I got in to Christ. I am required to continue to partake of his flesh and blood. Jesus said in John chapter 6, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And so I believe for too long the church has thought it was just a one-time partaking and that's it. You're, listen, you're right in a sense. The first time you ate of his flesh and drank of his blood, which means you trusted in his death on the cross, his suffering and the shedding of his blood on Calvary's tree, you ate Christ. You tasted the death he tasted of by faith. Hallelujah. And you entered into Christ. You were immersed into his death, into the body of Christ. And you became a living stone. That by no means doesn't mean that to experience life that you don't have to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood Today, the church thinks that was a one-time deal. Now that's over. Well, you need to go and read the book of Revelation where Jesus, through John, tells the church of Sardis, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. They're dead. And he also tells the church that he's at the door, the church now, he tells the church he's at the door knocking to get in. He wouldn't be doing that if they were still eating his flesh and drinking his blood because they would be dining with him. He, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is the church. This, this wasn't written to lost people. And if you read that there in Revelation 3.20 and the couple of verses after it, you'll see he's talking about who can hear in the church, it's the churches who are dead. It's the churches who are no longer dining with Christ because what's on the table is not what he will dine with you, fellowship with you in. There's only life in the blood of Jesus. Initially, there's only the experience of life, the life who is Christ, if we're partaking of his flesh and blood. You have no life within you. You'll not experience life unless you're experiencing Christ. And if you're not experiencing Christ, you cannot express Christ except in the vanity of our own minds. Think about this, not being ugly, but every Christian, those who've truly been born again, if they've moved the object of their faith from Calvary, Jesus Christ and him crucified, and what he did, not to just pardon them, but to give them power to live in him, with him, if they move the object of their faith from the cross, they're no longer dining with him. They're no longer in fellowship with him. They have fallen from grace. I want you to know that. Read Galatians chapter 5. Nobody's being ugly, but we are being biblical. 
People call us ugly. They say we're ugly. Ain't nobody being ugly. You want to call somebody ugly, you're going to have to point your finger at God. He's the one that tell them, told them they fell from grace. He's the one that told the church in Sardis they were really dead, although they had a name that they were alive. He's the one that said he's really not in fellowship with you. You just think he is. But because of what your fellowship is with, he can't fellowship in that. He can't fellowship through the government of 12, the purpose-driven life. He can't fellowship with you through any golden calf and everything but the cross of Christ is a golden calf. You need to come back to your first love. That's not how you feel. That's where you loved him first, where you recognized how precious who he is and what he did was to you. It's, your first love's not how you feel, my friend. It's where you believe first, where God ushered and shed his love abroad into our hearts. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. If getting back to your first love, I've been through that all those years ago that the preacher preaches a message on your first love, returning to your first love. Everybody leaves church saying, well, I'm glad I came back to my first love tonight. If you didn't come back, to an exclusive faith and trust dependence upon your union with Christ in his death on the tree, you did not return to your first love. And that's why nothing changed. Because God only changes us when we're trusting in the changing power of God, which is the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Man, it's good this morning. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm being encouraged. Verse 5 again. Let's read this. You also, as lively stones, are built up, but a spiritual house, not a carnal, not a fleshly house. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have local churches. That doesn't mean that God doesn't finance places we can gather and worship. But what he's building is beyond the metal and the concrete and the lumber. It's spiritually he's building us up. A spiritual house. Hallelujah. A holy priesthood. And, 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 and let, me, let me just say this. The priesthood is holy. Now, if you're not following along in our Hebrews teaching, you, you need to be because we're right over there in Hebrews chapter 12 Mondays and Thursdays at 8.30 a.m. Central Time and right now in Hebrews 12, and I'm amazed at how the teaching sessions, no matter what we're teaching, how they all flow together like they should if we're of one spirit, one mind, speaking the same thing. Amen. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. But we're seeing in Hebrews 12 how the chastening, the chastisement of the Lord toward all that are his. All that are his, all are partakers of his chastening, if they're his, is to get us back to being able to bear the peaceable fruit of righteousness because only through that avenue alone, Romans 6 bears this out as well, can the fruit, can we be found partaking of his holiness? Only through that avenue. Not because I feel a certain way. Not because I had a good day and read a chapter in God's Word today. No, my friend, the avenue of the cross is God's only avenue of 
the fruit, the peaceable fruit of His righteousness that allows us to partake of His holiness. You need to follow along. You need to find somebody focused on the cross who's boasting in nothing but the cross, who's pointing to nothing but the cross. All these preachers out there, some, some of them done lost their fire because of uh, uh, many excuses they've made. And that's all they are. That's, they're just excuses. The fear of man will rob you and trap you and paralyze you. The fear of man. Well, if I just be that determined to know nothing else but Christ and Him crucified, do you know how much much I'd lose? Well, it might be time for you to start recognizing just how precious Jesus is. And the more we recognize of how precious he really is to God and we see how much he should be precious to us, we're going to start saying, I need to lose some things and to gain more of him. Hallelujah! I need to lose some of that and gain more of him. Glory be to God. You lose your fire. If you start thinking you're honoring men when in all reality, all reality that subtle, deceitful, fleshly, carnal thing in us is seeking honor from men. Oh, I'm watching it happen right now. Listen, if you can't bring a rebuke, if you can't get up and get if you can't move, if you can't let God move you, all, all the words you say mean nothing. It's what happens in the heart. It's what happens in the heart, hallelujah. So, as lively stones, our Lord is able to build us up a spiritual house. Now, i got to say something this morning. If Jesus is on the outside of the church door knocking, attempting to get back in fellowship, then this ain't going on. This ain't going on. We, we can eliminate ourselves, although we remain in title only living stones. We remain entitled only good soldiers. There's a lot of things the Bible says we are and a lot of things the Bible says we could be experiencing and a lot of things the Bible says we should be doing. But that don't mean we're living out what we see in the Bible. And right here is about the time the devil whispers in the ears of the carnal and fleshly and says, well, there ain't nobody perfect. There ain't nobody as precious as Jesus. We get that. That's a reality. But there is a people of God who are reaching and striving for the faith of the gospel, who want to see more of just how precious Jesus really is to God so that he can become more and more precious to us. Hallelujah. So what we're reading here is not just an automatic happening. Those who had a name that they were alive but dead in Sardis, this wasn't being carried out in their lives. It's always the desire of the Lord to be found among us doing these things. That's why we have the Word. But it doesn't mean that it's just automatically going to happen. Again, those in Revelation chapter 3, at the end of that chapter, Jesus is knocking on the door trying to get back in fellowship because out of fellowship, if Jesus is on the outside of the door knocking to get in, we, we've eliminated ourselves from being built up a spiritual house because we're not functioning as the holy priesthood that we are. We are that. 
Israel was God's people even though they rejected the Savior he sent. They were still God's people. But they rejected him and they lost it all. They lost their place of being God's people. Remember, Jesus said, you will die in your sins today. Not today, but you'll die in your sins because you rejected me. That's what he taught them. You need to think about this. And Paul comes along and gives us more words that come from our Lord and Savior. Amen. And says, the true Israel, the true people of God, is not after the flesh, such as Abraham's fleshly lineage, but it's those who've trusted in Christ. It's the spiritual people of God. Amen. Amen. I hope you're getting this today. So we, we can read the Bible and we can see what's going on, what needs to be going on, what needs to be my experience, but if my faith is not in the sacrifice, if I'm not trusting in the sacrifice, then I'm not involved in the process Many processes, many blessings, many experiences that I should be experiencing written in the Word. Now I'm going to say something the Lord's had me saying and I'm not going to stop saying it because it's of utmost importance. Christians will say, well, of course we believe in the cross. I call it, and I believe the Lord gave me this statement, just that blanket statement because if you're a Christian... You've been born again. It was through your faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And you do believe in the cross. But it's become a blanket statement. Just a blanket statement for the church. Well, of course we believe in the cross. I don't know what y'all are talking about. But see, the Lord found me in that same condition some 18 years ago. Oh, I believed in the cross, but I wasn't trusting in Christ and His work at Calvary. I wasn't trusting in that. We tried every wind of doctrine that blew through town and really were deceived enough to think God would use it. The purpose-driven life, the purpose-driven church, the government of 12, the walk of Emmaus, everything, every new fad that blew into the church, we jumped on it and said, this is it. This has got to be it. Promise keepers, this is it. Oh, the walk of Emmaus, this is it. Oh, this has got to be it. And none of it was nothing but a golden calf. None of it. All of it eliminated Every Christian who put their faith in the doing of all those things eliminated themselves from this place, at least while they were trusting. And I want you to hear me. We believe in the cross, but it doesn't need to be a blanket statement. It needs to be moment by moment I'm depending upon what Christ did for me, not just to pardon me from my sins, but that he also broke the power of sin over my life. And that sin nature no longer has to dominate me, but will if I'm not trusting, if I've replaced, replaced the cross 
in what I'm depending on, my union in his death. He pardoned me by dying for me, but he also crucified me. The sin man, the old man, and put him away. And if I remain planted where God planted me, Romans 6, 4, and 5, in the likeness of his death, then I shall also walk with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Come on, somebody. We got to get away from that blanket statement. Of course we believe in the cross, brother. Well, if you're born again, I know you do. But that big piece of stupid you did right over there a while ago, you weren't depending, trusting in, relying on Jesus and what he did at Calvary because if you would have been, you wouldn't have done that. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, while you're making your calling and election sure, you'll never stumble. Oh, think about it, my friend. See, that's our problem we don't moment by moment. No one ever has. No one ever will. But we can strive for the faith of the gospel. We can strive to have more moments in our everyday life where we're recognizing how precious Jesus is as that living stone that men rejected, but that you and I have been brought to, hallelujah, and made near unto him by the shedding of his blood. Ephesians 2.13, God brought us near through the blood, hallelujah. Glory be to God, hallelujah. He says that we're lively stones also. Built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. A priesthood. The priesthood of old was all about the sacrificial because that's what made Israel who they were and extended every year before God for them was that sacrificial system. Amen. And you and I are a holy priesthood made holy by the blood of the Lamb made holy, a holy priesthood, set apart, holy unto God, to offer up, we're be, if we're being built up a spiritual house as the holy priesthood that we are, then we're going to be offering up spiritual sacrifices. The sacrifice of Praise, but it's the sacrifice of praise. This is what you can tie this in with worshiping God in spirit and in truth because the spirit only bears witness with the blood and the truth is Christ and what he did at Calvary. And the Bible also says, 1 John chapter 5, I believe it is, that the spirit is truth. And we can't worship God without the Holy Spirit. And we can't worship God without the Holy Spirit who is truth pointing us to the truth of Jesus Christ, which is what he did for us at Calvary. That's worshiping him through faith in what he did as a sacrifice for us. My friend, that is how we, what the Bible says, offer up spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices. The sacrifice of praise and worship the sacrifice of all that the world 
tries to pull on us and distract us with, all this political distraction, all this mess, all this, all the riches of this world. We have to keep our faith in the sacrifice of Christ because any spiritual thing we're offering up as a sacrifice must be tied to the cross. There is no such thing as a spiritual sacrifice that does not flow through the sacrifice of Christ. Any sacrifice to be spiritual in God's eyes must be based on, listen, based on and experienced through faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. The church has been deceived about, well, the cross got me in. Now I know the cross got you in through faith in the cross and every step of the way, every moment of the day, your faith must be legitimately and consciously tied to Jesus Christ, your Savior, and what he did at Calvary. My goodness, can you believe we're out of time? We're going to get right back into this if the Lord tarry next Friday morning. So I encourage you to gather with us again. I encourage you to help us get the word out. Let's make this Bible study online larger than what it is so we can see a greater edification among the body than what it is and more of God's people walking in the experience of who this precious Jesus Christ is to us, that he might be becoming to us, in our view, more precious than ever before. God bless you. I love you. Don't forget about the first and second Peter commentaries on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Just click on the store icon. You'll find it all there. You can also give to the Lord through this ministry on that website. But you can also do it very simple by simply texting the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you Sunday morning. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.